window. How, but you live on the third floor too in your building, so can you hear stuff out of yours? I can hear stuff out of my window, babes. No, but I mean, but but there, when we was were trying to record in the living room, um, the first time, you said that it wouldn't be a good idea. My neighborhood isn't as loud as yours. Oh yes. Okay. Well, yes, babes. Well, but uh, I'm glad to talk to you today, J Lo. <laughs> okay. <laughs> Whatever that means. <laughs> we just ate breakfast. Yeah, well, actually, it was leftovers from last night because it was delicious. What did we do? We made, again, for the second week in a, week in a row, um, the cheesy broccoli and rice casserole slash bake. What did you say? This will not become a trend, but yes. it's it. We only did that because we thought about putting something else uh, in the mix. Uh, Roma tomato chopped we put, up. Uh, yeah, we put uh, a Roma tomato chopped up and uh, two potatoes. It was really good. Too. But we did the potatoes last week as well. Yes, we did. So that's not new. That isn't new, but we wanted to try that again, and we thought it was so good last time. We had to do it again. We will not be making the thing, same thing next weekend. No, we're not, no. But maybe sometime <laughs> no, in the future. No, we're not going to make the same thing next weekend. <gasps> yes. But it was good, babes. It was very good. It, it, I mean... I love leftovers, depending on the leftovers too. Most of the time, when I've had leftovers, they still tasted good the next day. And it just marinates all together. So good. I had a shower. You had one as well. Separately. I, yes, way. unfortunately. <laughs> I slept really good last night. I only woke up a couple times. One, I caught myself snoring. <laughs> as did I. <laughs> you got yourself for me. No, I did. Okay, good. As did I. I was, I've been really out because I didn't hear you snoring. But you got up in the middle of the night, and I woke up for like a second. Then I was did. immediately out again. Yeah. But you stayed awake. I did. Yeah. You've been up since 4? It's now around 10? Oh, is it really? Mm-hmm. Are you sure about that? Yes. What time did you think it was? I thought it was like after at least 9.30. Yeah, but it's closer to 10, babes. Well, or at least 9.15, but I guess I was wrong. Anyway. Um, <clears throat> well, it is yeah. at least past 9.15 if we're getting close to 10. Yes, I know. I know but that. Keep going. Well, I was just making an estimate. Anyway, um, yeah, I was up since 4, and then I went to sleep for about 20 minutes. Well, 10 minutes and then another 10 minutes. Because you're like, oh, wake me up in 10, okay. And I didn't, you're like, this is the last time, another 10. I said, I promise, another 10. Yes. Well, I was I was not, you know, fully awake yet. What was the problem last night? I have no idea. You know, sometimes when you when your body is asleep for a num an amount of time, and then it just wakes up, and it just doesn't want to go back to sleep. Mm -hmm. And you just it just doesn't want to shut down. I hate that. As do I, as do I. But we had some excitement yesterday. Yes. Do we want to talk about the films or DS9 first? Uh, DS9 fully. All right. I showed you a season seven episode about Odo and Nog. But it was <laughs> not them having an adventure together, which would no, have been kind of cool. No, it's a separate storyline. Yes. Separate storylines. <laughs> Do you want me to talk about it? Yes, or... go ahead. Go ahead. Okay. It starts off. Odo is giving Major Kira a massage because they played some game in the Hollow Suite. And Odo, being a shapeshifter, can manipulate himself to be to really be a, a gel. Yeah. Yeah. And we find out that he has apparently received a message from an old source on Cardassia that he thought had died about a couple years ago during the war. Yep. So Odo tells Kira that he's going to go and investigate this. Takes a runabout. I'll focus on the A plot first. Yes, yes. Goes to the agreed location and finds out that it's Weiyun 6. Yeah. Vorda's when they die, they can regenerate. Yes. He tells Odo that he really wants to defect against the Dominion and tell the Federation and their allies everything he knows. Right. <clears throat> Odo's questioning this, but he takes him into custody. 
And he still thinks he's a he's a, a god because yeah. There's this great scene where uh, Wayun Six is just looking at Odo for like ten hours straight. It's, like, <laughs> it's hard being in the presence of a god. Like, well, you were stop. You were looking at me for ten hours. <laughs> <laughs> and Odo's thinking to himself that he's really just a deputy and uh-huh. not a god. Right. Meanwhile, Wayun Seven, the one who was created after Wayun Six contacts the runabout along with Damar yeah. saying, Hey, you know, hand us over, hand him over to us and we'll let you on your way. Oda says, he's my prisoner. I can't do that. Yes. Wayun seven and Damar then have an interesting interaction yeah. where they talk about, well, Odo doesn't consider himself a God. Yeah. If we kept this from the founders, maybe we could attack him. And then, and should I chime in about... Um, Tell me. Um, there are uh, Wayne and Six... I think it was Wayne and Six and Odo were noticing that the founders were uh, not looking very well. The you, founder ladies. You were close. Yes. Wayne Six notices it. And one of the reasons he wants to defect is because he knows that the founders are dying. There's yeah. some disease. Yeah. And he's pretty sure that Odo doesn't have it. So he lets him know that... Pretty soon, you're going to be the only founder left, right. which is kind of why I wanted to, wanted to defect to let you know, because somebody has to take over for them when they die. Right. And it pretty much has to be you. Uh-huh. Wayun 7 and Demar notice the same thing when the founder lady comes in and asks them what they're up to. Right. And she looks very uh, wrinkled. Yeah, for a few seconds. And yes. then she gets her shape back. Yeah. They send ships... Odo and Wayun Six successfully avoid the attack, but then to save his life, Wayun Six activates a chip that he has implanted to kill himself. Mm-hmm. And as he's dying, he says, "The only thing I want from you is a blessing," yes. which is conflicting for Odo, mm-hmm. but he gl- agrees to give it to him. Right. <clears throat> That's the A plot. The B plot, I'm so glad they didn't make this into a whole episode, but it works good. It was so funny. Yeah, it (laughs) works. Captain Sisko is going, I think, to Bajor for a couple of days. Yeah, yeah. And he tells O'Brien, listen, we need to get the gravity working on the ship right, so... Yeah, it's the, the, uh, I forgot what it's called. Yeah, it's some part. Yeah. So you gotta fix this, bro, while I'm gone. Yeah. He leaves... Nog says, hey, chief, let me do some finagling on your behalf and see if I can help you get this part a little bit early. So he does so, and he tells the chief later on, I'm having some trouble. I need your authorization code so I can, you know, (laughs) make order changes on your commands. On your behalf. Yes. (laughs) O'Brien reluctantly agrees. Colonel Kira gets really pissed off because he sees... That the captain's desk is missing. Well, there's more stuff missing, too. There is, but it started with that. The desk, yeah. It's like, why? Like, I want the captain's desk back here. <laughs> now. He talks to <laughs> Nog, who says, there's somebody out there who takes pictures <laughs> uh, behind famous captain's desks. <laughs> and because of the war, he's having trouble doing this, so... I lent him the de- desk. He's going to give us this part that we don't need, but we can trade it with this person for another part we don't need. But we can trade it with that person for the part that we need. <laughs> yes. Yes. Somehow, Martok gets involved because Nog has to take his blood wine. And and he's missing eight cases of blood wine. No. What? 16 cases. Oh, that I'm sorry. His wife sent him. 16 cases of blood wine that his wife sent him. Yes. I thought it was 8 cases. No, it was 16. That's a lot of cases. I believe it's 16. Anyways. Oh, okay. Nog also takes a runabout away from the station. So now O'Brien's feeling screwed because yeah. Cisco's coming back in hours. There's no sign yeah. of Nog. Yes. The, Martok uh, is unsatisfied. Right, right. Cisco's going to be pissed. Major Kira isn't exactly uh, feeling O'Brien at this time. No, he's just really upset, and 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 O'Brien's figuring, trying to figure out what's going yeah. on. This is uh, a different Kira than the one who almost uh, got with uh, O'Brien earlier. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Well, that's another story. That's another story. And we've talked about it before. Yes. 
I still think it would have been interesting if that would have happened, but... Um, it's not going to happen. No, not now. In any event, it's a day that Cisco's supposed to come back. O'Brien comes to Ops, walks into the captain's office, thinking that he's going to be uh, scalded severely, uh-huh. maybe kicked out of the fleet, yep. and the desk is back. <laughs> Nog is there. Cisco says that, the Ferengi explained what happened. They're all cool and says to the chief, uh, when do you think the ship will be ready to take out? He says, I could have it ready in eight hours. The em- emissary says, we're taking it out in two. <laughs> <laughs> did he explain? So so did, did uh, explain how Nod got everything back? I don't exactly know. But when I, so, but I'm almost done with the explanation. After okay. they leave the office, mm-hmm. Martok comes to the bridge and gives O'Brien a bottle of blood wine saying, this is better than the vintage my wife got me. Yeah, 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 yeah. Which was great. And that's pretty much the end of the plot. Um, There's a lot to say about this episode. Should we start on the A or B plot? Let's start on the A plot because it's the most serious part of it, I think. What thoughts do you have immediately? Um... I thought that Wayne Six was always kind of creepy because he worshipped, you know, he worships the the ground that Odo walks on because just because he's a shapeshifter and um, he believes that he's a a founder, therefore believes that he's a god. That's a little bit weird. What do you think, (laughs) sorry to interrupt you, of the exchange that Odo and Wayne Six have in the shuttlecraft where Odo basically asks... Did it ever occur to you that the only reason you believe we are gods is because you are designed that way? And Wayun responds with, well, of course. What's the use in being a god unless you have somebody to worship you? Ah, that's interesting. That's an interesting statement. I'm not sure how what to uh, make of that one. Does that say anything about Christianity? Um, or religion in general? Well... That is a really good question that I never thought of yet. I can't answer that right now. It's something to ponder. Though. It's something to ponder, though, but um, it's an interesting statement. But I interrupted you. Keep going. No, I... I uh, um, I, And then the fact that Wayne Six um, admitted that he was dying. No, he tells him that the founders were dying. Oh, the founders were dying. But yeah, but didn't he die also? He did, but he died because he activated this chip. That was implanted in him near the end of the episode okay. to stop the attack against Odo. Oh, I see. Okay. If okay. it wasn't for that, he wasn't going to die. Right, right, right. Then. Okay, because he, sa- he said he saved his life. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, I, it was, it's interesting. I, I mean, I, I think Wayun's a sniveling character, but the way that he treats, the way that he thinks about Odo is very interesting. This leads into a much deeper discussion. A theory that is put forth in this episode is that there was something defective about Wayne Six mm-hmm. because he went against the Dominion. I would actually make the argument that there's something wrong with Wayne Seven. Yeah. So Wayne Six, yes, he goes against the Dominion, but he does it because the information he has leads him to the conclusion that if he doesn't do it now, then all of the founders are going to die. Yes. Wayun 7 agrees to attack a shuttlecraft that he knows how has a founder on mm-hmm. board. What do you think of that? I have no comment. Okay. Because I can't think of anything at the moment. That's my theory. Okay. You could be right about that. Mm-hmm. Well, you know, shows like these are open to interpretation. What does this episode teach us, or maybe tell us, about being a reluctant spiritual figure? <laughs> um, well, what do you think first? It's The reason I ask you is because it's complicated to me, because I have not done as much biblical study as you have. Right. But I'm assuming... Mm-hmm. That there were people who were looked at as gods or at least prophets who didn't see themselves that way and who right, fought right. back against that because they didn't want to be considered above their fellow man. Not necessarily. Okay. Here's here's how I think about this. Uh, if it if you're um, if you're comparing it to biblical stuff, 
Okay. And it doesn't have to be Jesus. It could be like Moses. Yeah, well, or... I'm going to explain that. All right. I was just <laughs> trying to give you some more context. But <laughs> I was going to explain it in context. Go ahead. Um, well, there were, there were people in, during, um, the ministry of Jesus that <clears throat> were worshiping the prophets because the prophets were, uh, telling the people about, um, the gospel and Peter, and, and this is an example, Peter, um, was in effect in, in, in a way being worshiped by some of the people. And he said, Nope, I'm just a man. Don't worship me. I'm just, I'm just telling you what I was, what I'm supposed to tell you. So he didn't want to consider himself, um, a God or, um, or anything like that. He was just a man that was, was preaching to the people. And it was, it's, it's, it's not quite like this, but when I think about that... That's L- let mean. me reframe it a little bit. Okay. In the episode, they use the term God, but we could replace that with prophet, right? So... Um, that isn't the same thing. I know it's not the same thing, but it's. I want to explore the idea of a spiritual leader. Right. And not necessarily a God, because... It's, it, it gets a little bit more complicated and there's also less examples, uh-huh. right? So, for example, let me ask you, do you think that there's any correlation to real life? Like, have you ever heard of a case in the Bible or anywhere else where somebody was considered a prophet and maybe God thought of them that way? If we want to go by the biblical interpretation, but this person didn't consider themselves to be special. Um... Hmm. Let me think about that. Um, <clears throat> well, that was one of the examples that I could think of. Um, uh, if the answer is no, that's fine. I, I, I can't, I can't really pinpoint something. I mean, the only thing I could come up, uh, to come close to is the example I gave about Peter. Okay. I guess, let me ask you a similar question. How do you like the way that Odo responded to Wayun Six? Yes, I do. What would you do in the same situation he was in? Not exactly because we're not on Star Trek and no, you can't no. change shapes. No, but can't. let's say somebody thought of you as a god and was dying, then asked for your blessing. I would be very reluctant to to do that, just because I wouldn't have thought of myself as a as a quote unquote god. Do you agree with Odo's decision? Because he gives him the blessing, but beforehand he says, I'm really not a god. But Wayun Six um, believes this, and Odo isn't going to change his mind. Well, I guess it seemed like Odo was kind of stuck between a rock and a hard place. Um, I mean, after all, uh, you know, Wayun Six did save his life. Um, even though, even though uh, Odo didn't think of himself as a god that... You know that the way that Wei Yun Six did did, but um, uh, I don't know what I would do in that situation. But you know, um, maybe maybe it was okay for Odo to do that 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 do it that one time for Wei Yun Six to to uh, to make him feel that. That satisfaction. I don't know. Just don't make it a habit. Don't, don't make it a habit. Just do it once, right? Go to Magic Hero and say, I give you my blessing to have sex with a god or anything. <laughs> Weirdo. I know. You are. You are. Oh, what ifs. What does this film teach us about going against our own beliefs? Um, I guess, like, if you were faced with if you were faced with a decision like that, that would have to compromise your own beliefs, would you actually, would you go, would you, um, would you do it? Would you make a decision that was against it? Or would you, would you not do it? Would you reluctantly go against your beliefs one time or would you not do it? In a way, both the A and the B plot deal with this. Yeah. Because obviously we know the A plot, a way in defects. And in my mind, there's it's kind of more gray on which Wei Yun was defective, but they both go against their own beliefs in a way, right? And then in the B plot, 
Miles's belief is that you do things a certain way. Mm-hmm. You want to get some blanket. Okay. And he lets Nog question that. <laughs> now, in Miles's case, it turns out a little bit better, I would it, argue. It turns out way better yes. than it could have. Because he, did, he had no idea what Nog was going to do or how he was going to get the stuff. And we don't know where he went to on the uh, runabout. I kind of like that they leave it vague. I thought it was really funny, though. Yeah. Because I thought, oh, is that not being mischievous again? <laughs> it was really funny. <laughs> that that was that was a that was a great B plot though. Well, okay, let's move on to it then. Uh-huh. What is the B plot of this episode? Tell us about getting things done the untraditional way. I think it. This kind of reminded me of how Nog was before he became a cadet. Or, um, yeah, before he became a cadet at the academy. Because, he, as if you remember correctly, uh, Nog wasn't the most responsible person. Yes, right? I would agree. And Cisco really wanted to make sure that he was going to do what he was told to do. And that's why he, in that one episode, he gave Nog a few tasks to do. I think that was Heart of Stone. Also an Odo-heavy episode. Yes. Anyway, um... But even if he was untraditional, he has proven already that he ha- he does get things done and he will get things done, but but to the beat of his own drum. He just, you know, won't do it the way that <laughs> O'Brien wants him to do it. But I, he'll do it. Yes. <laughs> he will be reliable. I'm wondering what this episode also tells us about bureaucracy. How do you mean? In Starfleet, there's a lot of paperwork, mm-hmm. just like in real life. If you yes. want to get something done through a government organization, you have to sign a lot of paperwork. Yeah. Yes, usually. Yeah. With some exceptions, but usually it's the case. Right. And Nog kind of is our run around to that system. He shows us how to go around it. Uh huh. But at the end of the episode. When O'Brien says, uh, I can have the runabout done in eight hours. And Cisco says, well, we're going to take it on in two hours. Yeah. Is that also Cisco saying, I'm not interested in your excuse. I know you can do it in two hours. So that's how much time I'm giving you. Or is it him just being a hard ass for no reason? I think I would go with the first explanation. Hmm. Maybe he's saying, you know, I know you can get it done in two hours and I'm I'm not going to waste any time. Mm. I don't think he was being horrible about it. Yes. Because, you know, Cisco, Cisco is, you know, Cisco is the captain and he's going to run the ship the way that he's going to run the ship. And I think that's that's what he was doing to uh, keep um, O'Brien in, in check there. Did you like this episode? I did. I'm glad. I did. Yes. More than baseball. <laughs> Or the, no, I'd rather play it than watch it. Interesting. Beeper baseball is fun, by the way. I've never played it, but I do have a friend who's really, really into it. It is really fun. I I played it in uh, camp. It, it's either called beeper ball, beep baseball, beeper baseball. Um, it's a lot of fun. And I did it in school too. That's good, babes. Yes. Well, I feel that we've covered this episode pretty well. Unless there's anything else you want to add. No. Okay. No. And it's, I took a nap afterwards. Yes. That's all I did. Like a two and a half hour one. I really needed it, apparently. You're going to need one today, it sounds like. Maybe. Who knows? Yes. Who knows? Yes. J-Lo. Yes? We watched two films last night. Oh, my you. goodness. They were so funny. <laughs> I want to clarify something. Yes. I believe it was yesterday or the day before I said that Carl Reiner directed The Lonely Guy. Yeah. I thought that was the case, but this morning I was doing some research on Wikipedia. It turns out that I think it's Arthur Hiller directed it. Oh. Um, so I, I did get that wrong, and I just wanted to retract my previous statement about the film. Okay. Yes. If anyone want to look, looks on, wants to look on Wikipedia, then they can. Do it. See if I got the name wrong again this time. <laughs> Even though... Yeah. The Lonely Guy came out first. That is not the order that we watched these movies in. No, we watched um, one, uh, The House Sitter, that came out in 1992. 
which for some reason I did not know about it. This was a film that my mom took me to see that summer. And we both really thought it was funny. Oh, it was so, so funny. it became a film that I watched a lot as a kid. So funny from beginning to end. Do you want me to give the description? I think I'll do that. You let me time. go. Okay. I'll, I'll, give, I'll give a brief overview because I want people to see it. Basically, um... You say my overview is a long-winded? No, no I'm not saying that at all. Go ahead, go ahead, babes. I mean, if you want to chime in, go ahead. I'm just, you know... I'm just having fun, J-Lo. Ah! Go ahead. Mm. All right, tell me the story of House Sitter. <laughs> so, uh, if, I'm, if I am correct, um, it starts off with uh, Steve Martin's character, Newton Davis, showing this woman named Becky this house that he, that he bought incorrect what he built and designed right yes well, I was gonna go there and you I said bought me. you said bought yes I know that's very different than built and designed quiet okay <laughs> I was gonna correct myself do it okay so anyway <laughs> he blindfolds her drives her to the house she is unblind she is uh, takes off her blindfold and he says, um, he shows her the, he shows her the house, and she's like, "You, you got this house? Like I built it and designed it." And he says, "Marry me, Becky. I've been in love with you since the ninth grade. Marry me." And it's like, "Will you marry me?" And he's she's like, "No." <laughs> <laughs> so meanwhile, he's feeling very brokenhearted. Uh, is this when he goes to that restaurant? Fast forward three months. Yes. And his architectural firm is celebrating the completion of a new building by having a big party at a restaurant. So they have a big party at the restaurant. That's when we meet... Jessica. No. Gwen. Gwen. Okay, keep going. We we haven't gotten to Jessica yet. We, we meet Gwen Goldie Hawn, who says that she is... Uh, she she talks with a Hungarian accent, and it's implied that she's Hungarian. Chime in, please, if you would. Everybody is sort of enjoying themselves. Some of Davis's friends say he needs to get laid. He makes a fool of himself in front of the boss. The restaurant clears out. Davis is still there drawing a picture of the house, and he's kind of condescending to Gwen, saying, Gwen, where should we go to going out? <laughs> he tells her about the house. And, and he finds out also that he, she speaks English. Right. But before he discovers that, he, he's explaining about the house. He steps outside. Then he looks over, and he, he sees Gwen talking to somebody in English. He goes over to her. They start to conversate. He says, uh, why don't we walk to your place? She explains that it's really close, but they walk for a they while. They walk for a while and, and they get back to where they... <laughs> yes, back where they started because she lives above the restaurant. So anyway, they go to her apartment. Um, she she says she's going to be in Boston for like, what is it, three weeks, I think it is. She said that she moved to Boston. She moved to Boston about like three weeks, three weeks ago. ago. And she doesn't have a phone. And... Um, he tells her about the house that he built and designed for Becky. And, yeah. And uh, I, I, is that when he shows her pictures? That was during their walk. Yeah. Wasn't he, she a cute baby? Yeah, yeah. She shows her. He's, he's like, taking out the pictures. Okay, yeah, it's, like, sixth grade, seventh grade, eighth grade, ninth grade. Oh, wait, wait. I got to look for a, um, a one-up to date. And he goes... Doesn't she look cute like as a don't? Doesn't she look, uh, make a cute baby? <laughs> it was funny when he first pulls out the wallet. He shows Gwen a picture of Becky in sixth grade, and Gwen's like, "You could get arrested for this." <laughs> so anyway, um, things start to happen between between uh, Gwen and uh, Steve Martin. Steve Martin's character, bow, yes. Bow, what, was his, what was his name? Newton Davis. Yes. Yeah. Sorry. Um, who they nickname, who they've, they've called him Davis throughout the movie. Anyway, things start to, uh, things start to happen between them. They uh, spend the night together. She wakes up, sees a picture of the house. Gets on the bus. Gets on the bus and goes, um, 
goes to find goes to that neighborhood to find uh, the house. Chime in, please. Okay. She looks around for a while, but eventually Gwen locates the residence. She moves in and realizes that girls gotta eat. Goes <laughs> to the local store. Gets groceries. Well, yes, but in the process of doing that, she explains that her and Davis got married recently. Yep, and that's why. And she wanted to put everything on his account. Correct. It's a small town. Becky happens to be in the store. She follows Gwen outside, explains who she is, and they start to hang out. So Gwen is becoming more and more of a fixture in this town. Yep. At one point, Gwen goes to buy some furniture. She's sitting down in this chair, and some guy comes up to her. They're talking for a while, and she says, okay, move it to this house. The guy responds with, isn't that the Davis residence? She says, yes, I'm his wife. He says, I'm his father. <laughs> Gwen becomes kind of close to Steve Martin's parents. Yes. Around this point, Davis is thinking about selling the residence because he's not really living in there. And not knowing, you know, not knowing what happened in between that time. Right. Because Davis and his parents had a falling out due to him building the house prematurely. Yep. Steve Martin drives to the house expecting to sell it walks in There's sees that it's fully furnished yep. and that gwen's there yep they have a bit of a dispute obviously then becky comes over yep davis walks her outside and she says you know i never saw you as a marrying type but noticing you with gwen it makes sense to me now. it makes sense yeah, yeah, yeah. i never you know i kind of wondered what if you were going to be like a really good husband and Davis yeah. never got over Gwen. Right. I mean, over Becky. Becky. Yeah. He explains to Gwen, okay, you can stay in the house rent-free, and I'll come up here weekends. Eventually, we'll break up, but I want Becky to see me as a good husband. No, wait, wait. You forgot something. What's up? They made a deal to where um, they were going to pretend that he was having problems with... Um, he was having problems with Gwen and yes. that he was trying to get her back. And yeah, no, be... I remember that. That's part of my explanation, babes. I was, uh, you, you didn't let me finish it. Okay, sorry. Yes. Anyways, you just heard that part from my chiming in Jay Wolf. Okay. Eventually, Davis tells Becky <laughs> that <laughs> Gwen cheated on him with Boomer. Boomer Bauer. Her old boy. <laughs> and, and when Gwen finds out about this, he's like, why do you name him Boomer Bauer? I was like, you gave me an old boyfriend named Boomer Bauer? <laughs> do you want to pick it up from here, J-Lo? Yes. Oh, and he and they also have like run-ins with the Reverend and, you know, trying to figure out, you know. That how happens a little gonna, bit later. That happens a little later. But anyway, um... <laughs> Boomer Bauer. And so um, they have to live together in the house um, because the reverend have, has um, had how it was counseling them and said that you, I think you should do that. No, the what? reverend counseled them that what? you should really let Gwen go back to school. So now oh, Steve right. Warren is paying for her night classes and her dance education. Yeah, that's right. Yeah. It's really funny. <laughs> yes. And I I like that one scene where he's saying, "Yeah, and this thing, I think you should wear something different." Because she was looking too hot yes. for Davis, right? And she's and like, he didn't want to get attracted. And she's her. like, "Yeah, no, 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 don't wear that. You look t you look incredible in that one. Wear something else. <laughs> what about this?" And he's 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 showing her, um she's showing um I'm sorry he's showing her her his clothes like her clothes. No, he's showing. Her, his clothes. Like, do you think I would look better in this? No, he he doesn't do that. Oh, he doesn't? No. Oh, I thought he did. No, he didn't. Okay. It was really funny. Okay. Eventually, the parents suggest that they have a reception, something nice to, to celebrate. celebrate their marriage. Yep. Yeah. There's some disagreement. They eventually come around to it. Then we go to Davis's work because he still lives in Boston during the week. Yep. And he's about to go in and show his boss these designs. But when he walks into the office, guess who's there? Gwen. Gwen is there. It yep. turns out that her father 
and Davis's boss served together during the war. It doesn't actually turn out that way. No. But that's the story that Gwen gave. Right, exactly. And, and that he sang uh and that he sang uh uh, a song that made his father cry. Right. We're going to get to that. We're going to get to that, though. <laughs> it's really funny. Steve Martin invites his boss to the reception. They leave, and then Steve Martin realizes, oh, she doesn't have parents. This is going to be interesting. Yeah, and so she um, she finds these two homeless people. Uh, Mary, we saw them earlier in the episode. Yeah, in the I, Ralph and whatever. I think it was just, it was Mary. I think so. Except they they went by Bernie and Mary as his, her uh, parents, correct. And it was really funny because they kind of um took on that role. That was awesome. That was really. Funny. We get to the reception. I don't want to ruin everything, uh. But eventually, the boss asks uh Steve Martin to sing the song to Steve Martin's dad. Mm-hmm. Gwen has a blowout, and Steve Martin thinks that it's fake. He goes up to her and he's like, "This is a brilliant. I'm gonna get everything I want," and. Gwen looks looks at him and says, I really want this marriage to work. I mean, I know there was a whole thing with Boomer, but I think we can really get past that. Yeah, I think I think we should. Yeah. And she, and then he kind of starts making things up like, yeah, remember when. Uh, what, happens, remember... what happens is yes. she ends up running away. Becky comes out and says, was any of that stuff true? And he says yeah. it was all yeah, true. Yeah, it was all true. He goes to the bus station because... Davis has realized that he wants Gwen in his life. Yep. They're talking. Then she starts to go on the train. Then he stops the doors from closing and tells this made-up story about, remember the time I had myself sent to you on Valentine's Day? and On your birthday. On your birthday. On your birthday. And <laughs> and it went to the wrong apartment, and this woman called called me a uh, gift wrap pervert, pervert or something. like. <laughs> they build a house for her parents. Go into the house, and that's the end of the movie. Yeah, he, there's more details in there, but we want you guys to watch it. Yes, it's are, very funny. Are we correct in calling uh, Jessica Gwen? Well, okay, Jessica was her real name. Apparently, we're assuming. We're assuming. Yes, she just said it was, but we don't. We're assuming it is. Yes. Uh, right. <laughs> I love this movie. This is such a fun a movie. This is such a funny movie. This was a film I watched a lot. Could you see how I may have been influenced by this movie? Oh, absolutely. <laughs> you got a very strange sense of, sense of humor, but I, I get why you, you believe this movie is super funny, and it is. So you were not surprised that I enjoyed something like this? I am not surprised when, one bit. <laughs> nice. <laughs> what do you think? Well, let me, how, how do I want to phrase this? Frank Oz has directed Steve Martin in three movies, Dirty Rotten Scoundrels, House Sitter, and Bowfinger. Okay. Now, I know that you haven't seen Bowfinger yet. No. Eventually, we will get to it. Yep. As long as time keeps going by and, you know, nothing right, too right. crazy happens. What do you think Steve Martin and Frank Oz teach us about the truth throughout their collaborations, <laughs> or at least the two that you've seen so far? Wow, um, they really play with the truth a lot, don't they? Yes, a lot. <laughs> the truth just stretches and stretches until it can't stretch anymore, or they try to make it stretch longer. It's just really funny how it is, though. Do you think that they are trying to tell us the truth is not important? No. What do you think they're trying to tell they, us? I think they're trying to tell us that. The more you lie, the lie the lies get bigger and bigger and bigger until you don't know what the truth is. But let's look at this kind of in a different way. Okay. Freddie, Steve Martin's character from Dirty Run Scoundrels. Yes. It seems like he gets what he wants at the end. He gets to stay in Europe. He can still learn from Michael Caine and maybe go out on his own one day. And who knows what's going to happen between him and Janet. Mm -hmm. That's kind of left ambiguous. Yeah. In this movie, Newton Davis doesn't get what he initially wants. He doesn't end up with Becky. Which I really wanted him to end up with Becky. I actually did too. I I wanted her. I wanted them to be together. Right. There's a few flaws in this movie, but. Mm. Not very, not very many. Not very many. But eventually he finds the person that he thinks is best suited for him. Uh Uh-huh. So. In both cases, you have Steve Martin in Frank Oz films playing 
somebody who is stretching the truth, to put it kindly, and yet they get what they want. Right. In both movies. In both movies, yeah. What do you think that is supposed to mean? What are we supposed to gleam as, um, from that as the audience? I still go with my first theory that you can lie and lie and lie. And, you know, I know stretching the truth is putting it kindly, but you're basically lying and making one little lie into a bigger lie. And the more the lies come, the bigger they get. And it, you can almost believe that that's true. But it's not. But it isn't true. Yeah. Do you think that Davis and Gwen end up happy for the long term? Or are they divorced um, now with a couple of kids? Or did they even make it to the altar? I don't think they uh I don't think they make it to the altar, honestly. Hmm. Because of all the lies that she told and you know, I mean, I know that he's kind of <laughs> uh hilariously um fell into that trap, but I don't think that they make it. Where do you think Davis is now? Maybe he realizes that Becky was really the one for him and goes goes for her instead. Does he confess all of this to Becky or does he keep it somewhat of a secret? Maybe he waits years later and confesses it to her. Maybe not right away. Do you think they're happy now? I would hope so. Hmm. Who knows? We'll never know. Unless there's a sequel. Is there's not unfortunately there is not a sequel. I would love to see a sequel to this movie. <clears throat> really? I, I I would want to know where these characters are now. Right. But something tells me if you were to like do it honestly, it would be more of a drama than a comedy. Ah. But does this film teach us anything about corporate America? Corporate America? Like yes. what do you mean? Okay. At the near the beginning. Mm-hmm. During the party for the new building that his company just finished, mm-hmm. Davis goes up to his boss and explains that, you know, the building is great, but it's a little bit boring. Right. Shouldn't we be innovating? And his boss kind of like brushes him off. When Gwen comes and spreads the lie of their marriage, mm-hmm. the boss gets excited. The boss oh. comes to their house and sees the lie grow and grow. And as a result, gives Davis a promotion. So when Davis is honest mm-hmm. and is pushing the boundaries, he he doesn't get anything except blown off. Right. When he goes into the lie, he gets a promotion and praise from his boss. Right. Um. That's really interesting. That's real. I I don't know what to say about that. What do you think about it? I think it teaches us that if you're going to be part of the system, you have to sacrifice the truth on occasion. Yeah, well, in some cases, yes. I mean, I think I think in a lot of cases. You know, yeah. you can be part of the system and an innovator, great at your job, tell the truth, and you'll make it maybe a little bit of the way. If you're great, uh-huh. you, can, you can go mid-level. But if you lie and you're great, you can go all the way. Yeah, I, su- I suppose. I think that's what this film teaches us. Okay. Not that it's not that it should be condoned, though. But this is the way reality is. Reality is aided by lies. Mm. It's sort of the, this cool contradiction in the movie. I don't know. You wouldn't see it, see it that way. No. What does this film what? tell us? Oh. About dealing with grief. With grief? Yes. Um, uh, let me rephrase the question. Okay. What does Gwen tell us about dealing with grief? Hmm. It sounds like she hasn't gotten to the point where she has dealt with any of her issues. We don't know much about her parents. We know that she was in an orphanage we, in Toledo. Right. Uh, we also... We also kind of find out about, well, she says or claims that she was married before. Her friend backs her up. There's a scene where uh, Steve Martin goes back to the Hungarian restaurant. I don't want to give it too much away, but somebody who knew Gwen from the orphanage says that she was married to this. She was in a foster home. But that she did get married at 16 and thought that this guy was her knight in shining armor. Right, 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 right. Right. Mm -hmm. Yeah. 
Right. So she had she had a pretty rough childhood. But she hasn't but the way that she deals with her problems that she lies and makes up stories. Because she can't handle the because truth. Because she can't handle the truth, yeah, and she can't she can't face it. Is Gwen still alive today? Uh maybe she's alive but she's hanging by a thread. Does she regret what happened with Davis? Or is she so uh, closed off that she can't even deal with it? I don't think so. I think she's so closed off that she can't even deal with it. Because she hasn't been able to deal with anything else. What do Gwen's parents teach us about love? Uh, I mean, sorry, sorry, Davis's parents. (laughs) (laughs) Well, it's... so. This is I fucked up there. Right. And the word is messed. Anyway. Better than fucking... Oh, hey, you knocked it on my hand, babe. <laughs> That's enough. What? All right, let me continue. Um, All right, go ahead. So it seemed like his father... Okay, uh, and I'm thinking about the both parents, um, George and Edna, I think their names were. Are. I think so. It, it seems like Edna um, really wanted to... Um, she she genuinely wanted to be closer to um what's his name uh to to Newton like she she seemed like a nice both of them did and uh, yeah they seemed like nice parents um but but it se- but it seemed like his father was like well you you better get your act together um because i'm you know i'm not going to put up with it anymore whatever um and they also got closer to uh, to Gwen or the fake Gwen. There's a scene in the film mm-hmm. where Goldie Hawn has stormed off from the reception and George, along with Edna, try to get the parents to reason with her because they don't know <laughs> that they're just homeless people. Right, exactly. The fake parents of Gwen blow up and leave the scene. Yeah. George stays behind and just tells Gwen that whatever it is, we love you. Uh-huh. Keep in mind, George hasn't really known her for that long. At no, this no, but but they've grown quite attached to her in mm-hmm. that short time. Yep. And she's like, "What?" He's like, "Whatever it is, we we love you." How did that make you feel? I thought that that was it. Said a lot about George. Um, and how he felt, you know, even though he wasn't happy with Newton's um, mistakes, um, and also that he got married, supposedly got married to someone that they didn't even know about, he was willing to um, to to learn to accept her. What does Becky teach us about looking at a situation in a new way? Hmm. I guess it. I guess she when I just think it was really interesting because you could look at it and say, well, because because now he he has this house and it looks like he's got it all together um, and he's married that she would be, you know, she would that would that would have that probably is making her jealous and it probably has Um Maybe she, maybe before this all happened, she thought that Davis was really going nowhere in his life. Is there any lessons you can learn from Becky? Hmm. Don't judge a book by its cover, I guess. Mm. I don't know. And that, um, that, uh, some guys, uh, carry torches for girls even as far back as. The ninth grade. Yeah, but it wasn't as far back because they were were presuming dating up until three months ago. Dating? Yeah, because he did propose to her at the beginning of the movie. Oh, right, right. right. I mean, I'm assuming that they just weren't friends and then one day he proposes to her. I I don't, I I guess, yeah. That's true. Well, you know what I mean. I mean, he he still never really got over it. Her. Well, then what does this film teach us about living in the past because we have Gwen who is avoiding her past mm-hmm. and we have Davis who is stuck in his. Mm, yeah. Well, that's interesting because there's a contrast there. You know how some people say you can't, 
you got to put your past behind you. Um, and it's like, it's, you know, the past is the past and then you have to look forward. But some people just, some people have a lot of regrets in their past and they can't, they can't deal with it. it I, I think it says a lot about regret. It's this weird duality. It is. Because Davis needs to put the past behind him. But Gwen has to look at the past before she can move on the past. Yeah. And she hasn't dealt with his past and he won't let go of his. Right. She hasn't dealt with her past. And he won't let go of his past. Yes. But some people are just stuck in the past and they just cannot, they can't go forward. Mm. Yeah. They can't move on. We already know, I think this is a classic movie. So funny. That I'm shocked that more people don't discuss today. Huh. Because you had never heard about it before, did I don't me? think I have. No. And I've seen a few Goldie Hawn movies and Steve Martin movies, of course, but I haven't, I did not remember this one. Unfortunately, they did collaborate again in the film The Out of Towners, which is not that good. It's oh. a remake of an old Jack Lemmon movie. Oh. Uh, and... I haven't seen the original, but I saw their version of it. It's just not that good. Really? But this film, I think, is a classic. No, it's really funny. And she just, she, um, she just plays Gwen so well. I want to know, J-Lo. What? You started to giggle. No, just the way that you said it. Okay. Would you recommend this movie to anybody? Oh, of course. Mm. Super funny. The storyline is great. Cast of characters are, are, they just work together, including the fake uh, parents of Gwen. Yes. <laughs> and they really try to, they really play it well, you know. They really, um, they really try to uh, play like they are their, but that, like they are her parents, which they're not. That was awesome. They even mingle with their friends. One of my few problems with the movie is at the very end where they're building the parents a house. Oh, really? Because they're not her real parents. Right, right. That's, oh, so they were building her parents. Yes. Not his parents. Not his parents. Okay, that's. I didn't know that. I thought you said his parents, but... Yeah, that's that's something that kind of took me out a little bit. But uh, besides that, I think it's an awesome movie. Yeah. Yes. Good movie. Yes, yes. Very good movie. And yes. you're glad you've seen it. Yes. All right, babes. Unless you have anything else to say about it, I think we can move on. Yes. Or, or one one last question, actually. What? As a Christian, did you find this movie upsetting? It doesn't sound like you did. Why would I? Because of the way it condones lying. No, I just think that I I still hold my, um, I still hold to my thinking about lies, and I don't think it condones it. It just shows that that um, lies can get very, very, very messy if you don't take care of it. Mm. That's what I feel. Very good, babes. I don't think it condones it at all. Nice. All right, babes. Mm -hmm. Let's move on to another Steve Martin film. The Lonely Guy. The Lonely Guy. That This one was was funny also. Yeah, this is another underrated film. Oh, my goodness. But it's a lot more dated, though. That's the only thing. It is very dated. Yes. It's very, and, 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 yeah, it is very dated. Absolutely. Uh, do you want to give a brief overview, or would you like me to take Well, I'll just give you the, I'll get, I'll give the, the premise of it. Basically, um, Steve Martin's character, um, named Larry Hubbard, is a, a considered, quote, a lonely guy. He's had some really horrible luck with women. The first woman he, um, and, and, and he works at this, uh, this card shop, right? He writes greeting he cards. He writes greeting cards. Pretty sad. <laughs> it's greeting cards. Um... And um, he uh, moves in with this attractive ballet dancer named Danielle. It all goes really, really downhill when he finds her with some other guy in their in their room. And uh, <laughs> she says to him, he, "He's moving in tonight." And and Steve Martin's just like, "There's barely enough room for the two of us." Right. Exactly. <laughs> and it's like. Uh, Let's see, uh, what should I... And she's like, what are you doing here? Da, 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 da. That's what he says. <laughs> and it just took him forever to get angry. And and she's like, oh, oh, by the way, um, 
uh, Larry, could you throw out the garbage? Which which kind of um, seems like maybe she's a messy person. I don't know. But very um, inconsiderate of his feelings. He has nowhere to go. He has to, he has to find another job. Um, and um, in this in this uh, place where, where he's living, everybody knows who the lonely guys are. There's even a lonely guy store. <laughs> but, um, you know, he, he, this, he is in search of a girl to um, be with, uh, a long-term relationship. Go on, please. Before we get to the woman of his dreams, I also want to say, even though I don't, I think he's probably a horrible person. Charles Grodin plays his friend in this movie. How, why would you think he's a horrible person? Because I saw a CNBC talk show a lot. And he does seem like one of these people who gets upset over everything. Oh, I see. And probably has a big ego. But he is good in this movie. Okay. As Larry's friend. Who Warren. Is Warren, who is also a lonely guy. Yes. But he gets somebody at the end. In any event... <laughs> Larry tries all these different things. Uh, one day, him and Warren go shopping for ferns, and they call them guys. Hey, my <laughs> guy should hang out with your guy someday. <laughs> At the lonely, they go to the lonely guy store to get it. I'm not sure if that's for them. Or maybe they, they don't. I don't know. Some uh, store. Larry also experiments with these different dogs. Cardboard cutouts. No, that's Warren. Oh, I'm sorry. What happens is... Warren invites Larry to his place for a party. He goes over there and sees that Warren has all these cardboard cutouts of celebrities. Yep. The cops come over, and it comes out that one of the cops is a lonely cop uh-huh. who wants a Gene Hackman cutout. <laughs> and, and, and Warren suggests that they have them at the Lonely Guy store. He says that that's where he got his. <laughs> and that you can get the Gene Hackman one, but you got to reserve it a week in advance. Larry yep. also tries fake sweat that is taken from athletes right after a game. Okay, I forgot that scene. Yes. Okay. He goes into this diner, meets this lady. She gives him the number, but he, like, wipes his face with the napkin. Yeah. Tries to determine what it is. Can't. He thinks her, her name is Lois or Doris or whatever. Right. He goes to a restaurant and tells everybody that he's a critic so they won't look at him weird for being alone <laughs> he finds out the girl's name is irish i iris, iris not irish iris. and she's irish <laughs> we don't know that no i cannot confirm or deny that okay she's there with one of her ex-husbands iris wrote the number down on the bill but because he's a food critic the manager burns the bill right in front of him <laughs> <laughs> yes yes but Luckily, Warren is feeling so sad that he's thinking of killing himself. Mm -hmm. So Steve Martin has to rush down to save him. He's on a train. Iris is waiting for one. He spray paints where he's going. Mm -hmm. Her and him hook up. They save Warren. Go home. She runs out on him. Yep. He's having trouble figuring out life. He wants to write a book, but it's not coming together. Yep. Then one day... Larry decides to write the book about becoming the lonely guy. Yep. And it is a huge seller. And everybody is um, wanting to talk to interview him. And all these girls are coming on to him. Lonnie Anderson. Lonnie Anderson very is there. Very topical reference. Yes. Eventually he throws this party. And Iris comes over. A few things happen. She eventually ends up hooking up with his friend Jack. They get married. But then at the end of the movie, Larry goes to kill himself. And Iris also jumped from the bridge, but she falls into his hands. His arms. His arms. They walk off with Warren, who is now dating Dr. Joyce uh, Brothers. Joyce Brothers. (laughs) (laughs) An unlikely pair. The end of the movie. That's the end of the movie. It was very very funny. Good movie. I mean, you have to very much suspend disbelief with this film. Mm-hmm. But I enjoy it. I, w- I want to get your thoughts on it. I thought it was really funny. Mm-hmm. I just thought that, you know, the, the whole emphasis is about lonely guys in general. And how they you can smell them from a mile away. You know what, what kind of things they shop for. You know what 
uh, kind of things that they do on in their spare time to keep them, you know, sane? I think a, a lot of that comes from the book because okay, it in the if you read the book, which I can get through, yeah. a lot of it is different lists. Like these are things lonely guys should cook. These are places lonely guys should go. These are types of plants lonely guys should oh, buy. Oh, I see. Okay. Yeah. Okay. But I thought that was funny how they put that in there in the movie. I want to know mm-hmm. what Warren teaches us about not about lacking confidence. Um, wow. He he's an interesting guy. I think he's he's a pretty helpful friend to um to Larry, but He's got his own things to deal with, and he's just not confident. And he can't talk to women. There's a great scene in in the party sequence where everybody's having a good time, really enjoying themselves. And yes. Larry checks up on Warren, who I think is in Larry's bedroom, either watching Star Wars or playing a video game. Yeah. I always get a little bit sad during that scene. Because it's like there's this huge party that Warren could be a part to, yeah. of, and yet he's just staying in a room. He doesn't want to. He doesn't want anything. He doesn't want to do. Yeah, I know. He's like he doesn't want to mingle with the people. So is Warren's loneliness his fault or the fault of society? Maybe it is his fault. Do you think that he's clinically depressed? It's possible. Very possible. I don't know, but it's possible that he is. What does Iris teach us about commitment issues? Oh, yeah. She's got major commitment issues. Major commitment issues. Um, Like, it seemed to me like she never had, like, a, a real serious relationship. She's been married by the end of this movie seven times, and right. she's only 30. Yeah, it's like, you've been married six times? And then she gets hitched with Jack near the end of the film. Right, right. Because she's in love with Larry. Because she's like, yeah, she married him because she she loves me. <laughs> so it's kind of, I mean, her perception of how relationships are, are very, is very, very warped because of her issues with men, her commitment issues, and, you know, how to keep a relationship together. It's very warped. Do you think that her and Larry last? Um, I don't know that they don't or that they do. It's, uh, it could go either way, I think. See, I think that they don't. I don't think they don't. I don't think they do either, but... I think Larry eventually ends up leaving her because he's just so hard to be with. Right. I mean, so mentally unstable. I want to get a sense from you, babe. Mm. Is Larry still a successful writer or is the Lonely Guy book his only success in the writing field? I'd like to think that he becomes more successful. I think that he could write a memoir. Yeah. About his time with Iris. Or right. about his childhood. Right. Right, exactly. Or how, you know, uh, going forward after leaving, if he, if he does leave Iris. Yes. Yeah, I, don't, I think you might be right about that. I don't think they last very long. I don't think they can. No, they can't because she can't, she can't be in a stable relationship. She doesn't know how. No. No. I uh, enjoyed this movie a lot. I'm glad you liked it. It was very good. Yes. I'm trying to think of any more questions, but I can't really come up with I can't either. Would you recommend this film to people? Yes, I would. I would. I do think, uh, compared to House Sitter, I think House Sitter is much funnier. Yeah, and it's more, oddly enough, more realistic to me. More realistic, but the, the lonely guy is a different kind of funny. Yeah. Kind of sad, but kind of funny at the same time. Some movies you just have to, like, go with it. Right. It's all you can do is run with it. Yeah, and it makes sense in the reality that it's based on. Right. Yes. So go rent The Lonely Guy. I remember one Christmas, babes. Yes. My sister bought me a copy of The Lonely Guy and Dead Men Don't Wear Plaid. Oh, wow. Okay. Which you still haven't seen. No. Did you like that one, though? 
I liked it as a kid. Mm -hmm. I would be curious to see how it holds up today. Oh, really? Yeah. Okay. Because I wasn't as critical of films then as I am now. Right. Yes. Right. But one day. One day. One day, babes, we shall watch Dead Men Don't Wear Plaid. But not but today. Did you, but did you enjoy that one? It was interesting. I liked it at the time. Okay. Yes. J-Lo. Yes. One last question about The Lonely Guy. Yes. Would you recommend it to anybody? I just said yes. You did? I did. Was I zoned out? You, yes, you, yes, you were because you asked me twice. Okay. I, I must, said yes, uh, I would. I don't know what I've been smoking this morning. You, you didn't. Okay. You, yeah, maybe you're, maybe you're so sleepy. That's possible. <laughs> well, I recommend it to them twice because I asked you <laughs> Yes. Uh, yes. The Lonely Guy and House Sitter, very good movies. Good, good. I give them a, a two thumbs up. Very good. I would each. too. Yes. Two thumbs up each. What are we going to be doing next weekend, babes? Um, we figured out what we're going to do for Friday. I'm not sure about Saturday. Friday, I suggested that we have a another Christina Ricci uh, double feature where we see the movie Pecker, and I also show you Casper, which is a I think it's a fun movie. I had suggested making it a Ricci weekend, and on Saturday we also I show you. Prozac Nation and Buffalo 66, but you thought that might be too much re- reachy for one uh-huh. weekend. Too much reachy. Yes. Which too, is fair. Too much preachy reachy. Preachy reachy. It, it, it'll be too much, too, too preachy to watch reachy. No, okay. I'm just kidding. Um, oh my goodness. Anyway, no. Yes. But we'll come up with something, babes. Might be overkill. Oh. Yeah. Uh, I think she's cool, but you already know that. No, no, no. no. She's in some great movies. Yeah. I mean, I've seen a whole bunch of her movies, and they're, for the most part, the ones that I've seen were really good. Did you have any dreams last night? I did not. I had a dream, but it involves people in my family, so I, I don't think I should say it here. Uh, did you? You don't so think so? relatives had moved back to town. And I was on my way to see them, but they moved very, very far away. And so the dream was basically about my journey there. Okay, see, that was, that's fine. That's um, a quick reference. Yeah, and the, and you said you don't know exactly where they were, but they were far away. Yes, but still living in Portland. Wow. Yes. Okay. Alana J.Lo. Yes. Is there anything else you want to discuss? Um, I don't think so. I do not think so. Very good, babes. Well, in that case, you should give me a kiss. Oh, really? Why? Because I said, okay. Okay. Mm. Mm. <laughs> and, um, yeah. Oh, by the way, real quick, I almost forgot to ask you. Yes. What did you think, because I know you're Filipino. Yeah. Of and... the <laughs> what does it do? bombers who were arrested in Myanmar for the church bombing that was done a couple of years ago. This happened this last week. I did not even know about the church bombing two years ago. I think it was two or three, but... I, I didn't even hear about that. Okay, so we know what you think about that, okay? I, I, I don't know. I would have to uh, I would have to talk to my family about it. All right, very good. Well, we should end this with the kiss, then. We just did. I don't remember that. Oh, my goodness. Would you write around the little guy? Oh. I can kiss. Mm. All right, J-Lo. All right. Till next time. Till next time. Bye-bye. Bye-bye.